once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 134. We are uh, we're pushing right along here. 2023 coming in hot. Well, not all that hot, and we'll get into some of those topics here shortly. But as always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend of the Soccer OG coming out of the World Cup and now getting back into the rhythm and we are getting great guests every week, including this week, joining me in the business end, former U.S. Men's National Team World Cup player, World Cup star in 2002, no other way to get around it, and now the current coach of Real Salt Lake and Major League Soccer, Pablo Mastroeni, uh, a unique voice in our game, and just a really cool dude, so uh, you think you'll really enjoy that conversation. In stoppage time, we will uh, take a look at the January camp. I'm recording this the night before the release of the roster, but I have a good idea. You're all going to see the roster. It's going to be uh, all MLS players, and we're. it's going to be veteran players, too. There's going to be some interesting additions, no doubt about it, that will get our attention. But I'm going to tell you why it's important to watch, especially this year, because this year's a little different, and we need some games. That's what I feel. The Soccer OG Podcast, available where all podcasts can be found. Check out the entire library. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. I will be posting on Wednesday a full breakdown of the U.S. roster for the January camps and what to expect in the two games, which will be in Los Angeles, and I will be attending at least the first. I'm trying to jack, I'm trying to pump myself up to get into the second. But we're off and running. Soccer OG starts right now. Just wanted to remind everybody that uh, even though I'm American and we do this podcast out of the United States, most of my guests, not all of them have been American, this is a global podcast. We'll talk about everything that's important because I am the OG. I've been at this a long time. I'm not trying to say that to pat myself on the back, but I've seen it all happen. I almost say that uh, uh, in an embarrassing tone, but there's a lot of things happening today in the world of soccer that... I've seen happen before, and there's a lot of things happening that have not happened. So we'll talk about all of that. I don't. Uh, I know the timing is a little bit off because I recorded my last pod right before the news broke that you know I was up there in Northern California, went to San Jose, and then Cupertino, and I was part of the announcement of the new MLS Apple TV deal. I am absolutely thrilled. I wasn't sure I was going to get that. Uh, everyone said I was, but. You don't count your chickens. This is subjective business. You just don't know. You don't know if they want to go to younger voices. And by the looks of it, I'm the oldest guy there. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's, you know, and a lot of guys that are, are in my age group that uh, may not make it. I don't know. Look, I, I even if I did know a lot about what Apple TV is doing, I wouldn't share it with you. I don't want to be in any trouble with them, but I truly don't know. And I'm trying to steer clear of it and just get the information because I'm not going to... They want me to, to call games, and I am thrilled that I'm doing that. This is a property, when you think of, and I said that at the press conference, when you think of the 34 rounds of the MLS games, and you think of the League's Cup, and then you think of what appears to be an expanded MLS Cup playoffs, uh, that's a huge property. And, I mean, we could sit there, yeah, the Premier League's better, the Champions League better. I will tell you, and I know broadcasters in every country, 
this is something that in England, in Ireland, in Australia, in Argentina, there's, remember there's the Spanish side, in Brazil, this is a property that they want to call, even more so than the Premier League and Liga MX and the Champions League. This is an amazing property just because of the inventory. So uh, they've put me over a lot. I want to take my, my hat off and salute the folks at Apple and MLS. They did their due diligence. They interviewed everybody. They can't hire everybody. We know that. There's going to be collateral damage, and it hurts because a lot of our guys, friends, may not be part of that that crew. But um, I'm not I'm not kidding with you when I say that I would rather be doing this than maybe the Premier League. Eh, yeah, I would. It's just it's the gift that keeps on giving, and this league is on such a trajectory. Are they going to struggle a bit with with subscribers and attention? Absolutely. But if they're patient, I truly believe Apple is going to be behind MLS more so than any other uh, partner they've had in the past. And that's exciting. Eddie Q, who was really in leadership, I was there in Cupertino, said hello to Tim Cook. I mean, everyone was down there. They have big plans for this. So I'm just, uh, I'm excited for the start. We'll have more details, but I did want to share that with you and let you know um how pumped i am i'm also going to be still with lafc so during the week i'll be part of the content that they will populate on apple tv i'm happy as a clam everyone my two my truly two dream jobs blessed beyond belief so we'll share that excitement and thanks for everyone who reached out feel free to reach out i'll respond this has been uh it's been great because yeah i've been a little off the grid on the national picture and now i'm back one thing that we're going to have to do about the Apple TV, couldn't do it this year, but next year, we've got to find ways to make MLS more interesting. I got to say, the preseason, the silly season before the start of the season, once again has been just pulsating. So many big signings, uh, not as much as last year, but they're going to happen. So many big sales, you know, the Jean Duran, big money signing from the fire, who also sold Gaga Slonina. Tom Bogart is a must follow, but I think... We've got to do these shows like they do in England, these transfer day shows, because MLS has got uh, its business here in the U.S. We're going to find out the next young American players, obviously in Mexico with the relationships with Liga MX. More European players, young and middle-aged and old, are coming here. The, uh, um, the young Croatian player coming to LAFC, I mean, that is one of the top young players. According to the rankings, he was like a top 40 player under the age of 22. Coming to MLS, South American players coming. So uh, I think there are ways to really illuminate the stories here. And that's a big part of what Apple TV can certainly help with. But we're going to get that. We're going to get that silly season show. And we'll get, there's no reason to sit on your hands here. Let's get everyone excited about the league. Because there's a lot of teams. It's not just LAFC and the Galaxy have been interesting. The Houston Dynamo got a new coach and they're signing new players. I mean, I was up in uh, San Jose and I spoke to a bunch of guys. I mean, the Apple TV, I spoke to uh, Sheridan Shakiri. By the way, the nicest guy, you would not, he was just a sweetheart. And you know what he told me? He goes, I'm happy because my family in Switzerland can watch me play on their iPhone. The world can see it. That is out of the bag, right? That you can see these Apple TV broadcasts anywhere in the world. And I heard, spoke to a ton of guys. It's ex It's exciting. You know, you think about this league and where it's come from just 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. 
know, there's like 10 teams in the league and you were wondering if there's going to be any more and there was like two stadiums. We got to remember about MLS, it's still in it's still in diapers and it will get bigger uh slowly. Can't rush it. Can't fake it. You know, the Premier League has been around for 120 or whatever years, not the Premier League, but English top flight football has. And the European game, the South American game, it's been around for years. So you, you can't just click your fingers and pretend to be on the same level. You just don't have it. So I think MLS is getting smarter about that. And let's go. So definitely get your Apple TV subscription uh, and join me. So wherever you are in the world, you'll be able to listen. So to our listeners in Denmark and England and Paraguay, Mexico, India, all the great listeners in India, I see the numbers. Keep it coming. Catch the MLS on the MLS. I'm sorry, I can't believe I just said that. Catch MLS on Apple TV starting February 25th. A couple things. Uh, also with regards to, um, I just finished watching the first U.S. soccer game on HBO Max. It was, it was actually pretty thrilling to click on HBO Max and Actually, they had it right there, which I was happy. I didn't have to flip around for 10 minutes. It's weird to click on HBO Max and watch sports, but soon enough, it won't be. I thought they did a nice job. And it's another outlet for the game. And that was a hot property. Remember, MLS and U.S. Soccer was one property that you could buy that you would get both. And now they've gone their separate ways. And I mean, it's gonna, it's not gonna be the same, but I don't think either one's gonna struggle too much. You know, MLS is thrilled with the, the deal they struck with Apple TV and HBO Max, and and by the way, Telemundo getting those games, so it's on Peacock as well, and you have Andres Cantor. And the, I mean, it's this is a World Cup year, obviously. It's gonna be huge with the U.S. women and the U.S. men. I think their HBO is gonna have a lot of resources, so they're gonna be pumped about that. By the way, with the U.S. soccer on. Telemundo, this really signifies the end for TUDN, right? I mean, it, it, the doors are going to be shut. They're going to have a, a Liga MX, but they're out of the business, I think, in the U.S. I mean, we know they're going to have a Mexico studio and do all that stuff. That's pretty significant. You know, TUDN had all these properties and now they're going away. So this is, you know, these these properties will continue to be a hot potato. Who knows? Maybe one day the Premier League goes somewhere else. Maybe the Champions League goes somewhere else. It just ha it's the nature of the beast. I'll tell you what, MLS is going to be on Apple TV for 10 years. A couple things on the European landscape I wanted to touch on. The Premier League has been so much fun because we've sat here and waited for Manchester City and Liverpool and Chelsea sometimes to sit there and kind of dominate and you just got used to it. I think we can say definitively here Second week of January. It's going to be different this year. Arsenal, eight points up on top. It would appear after Manchester United beat Manchester City, Manchester United, of all people, are the main pursuers. And they're going to be playing each other soon. Newcastle's in there. These teams, like we can say definitively, they're not going away. And how great is that for the Premier League to know that they have six or seven teams that could possibly win the title. Because Chelsea's having a down year. They've been decimated with injuries. Liverpool will bounce back. They have too much talent. Tottenham Hotspur. Slip sliding down, but they'll be good. Newcastle's just going to get better. So I've mentioned four. Arsenal. Uh, 
hard to see them not win it, although we have a long way to go. But I would put my money on Arsenal. And then the Manchester clubs. That's seven. Nottingham Forest just signed one of the best defensive midfielders. What is it? 20 million for Danilo. Danilo could have ended up on any of the top clubs. Nottingham Forest just guaranteed staying up this season with that addition. They're a 17th place team and they're signing guys like that after they had that huge, huge summer window. You better spend money or you're not going to be around. I mean, this is bad news for West Ham, my club, and Everton. You got to be on it. Or this is, we always used to say, right? Everton and West Ham. No, they'll be okay. You can't say that anymore in the Premier League. If you don't get your head squared on, you're going to get relegated. There's too much money and there's too many teams serious about staying up. And then you have these niche teams that are doing with analytics like Brentford and and scouting and and development and Brighton's one of those. I mean, this whole league is just murderer's row. It's the Super League. It's the Super League. You didn't want the Super League, but guess what? You got it. And it's the English Premier League. I mean, it's just going to pull away from all the others. And we'll see how the fares in the Champions League. But, you know, maybe Man City really locks it down and wins it there. Even Pep Guardiola had a comment about that. He goes, hey, it's good for someone else to win it. we got to win another trophy. Basically, that was a shot across to let us know that it's the Champions League this year for Man City. I don't blame him. How many Premier League titles can you win? It's good for the league. Great for the league. And we watch the games because there's not a bad game. PSG, we're seeing... The uh, the meltdown post-World Cup. We said, what's the after-World Cup going to look like after players put so much emphasis into performing in Qatar? And you look at France, you look at Argentina, they were the last two teams standing. Their best players are teammates on PSG. PSG has lost, what, two of their first three games back? Lionel Messi just returned. Kylian Mbappe got right back. He was okay, but he's kind of flat now. Uh, Hakimi, long run for Morocco. He's been uh, he's been okay, but this is it. How long does the rot set in? Messi looks a shell of himself. I know it's a small. He just got back, but I truly believe PSG. Now the the Champions League round of sixteen. They have Bayern Munich that starts in mid February. They'll have times. They'll be focused on that. But I mean, they have they have some teams hot. On, Rennes beat them, and Lens beat them, and they're right behind them in the standings. League One will be interesting, but I think a big part is because they invested so much to do well in the World Cup. These guys are tired. They have some Brazilian players as well, which is going to be a problem. I've gone on for way too long. There's so much to talk about. You can't stop me. We're going to get into the business end. Stick around for a wonderful conversation with Pablo Mastroeni, the head coach of Real Salt Lake, former U.S. men's national team player. This is the Soccer OG Rate Review. Download, subscribe. Here on the Soccer OG in the business, and uh, very excited to welcome in a man you all know, and, and I and I was telling him off air about how how, uh, how I'm anticipating this conversation because there's so much to the life of this sport. And Pablo Mastroeni, currently the head coach with Real Salt Lake, but you remember him from the U.S. national team, and notably in 02 and 06. And I'll, I could read your resume, Pablo, but it'll take me two hours. But you are Coach Pablo Mastroeni. How is life? 
as the head man in Rail Salt Lake treating you? It's been great. You know, we, we got new ownership on board and uh, the vision is, is very clear, very exciting. Um, I think it's both in the short term and long term. Uh, the ownership has has really uh, brought in a lot of enthusiasm, you know, even even in the front office, uh, ticket sales, you name it. Um, they got their hands on it and they're really moving the ship forward. So it's really exciting times here. And you're learning more because you're you're a soccer guy. You're the player, and and you know I've, I ran into some of the Real Salt Lake players in MLS Media Days. Like we love playing for Pablo because we know we watched him play, and we he can relate to us. But uh, that's just that's a part of what you do, and obviously that's a big part because it's about getting results. But I think you're you're probably discovering there's just so much more to this. And someone who was was playing till not too long ago, uh, MLS Cup champion in 2010. I didn't mention that. But not too long ago, I mean, how has that adaptation or uh, the adapting period gone for you uh, in this in this role where I know if you're a sponge and you're soaking so much stuff in? Yeah, it's it's it, you're absolutely right, Max. It's all encompassing. It's it's understanding the the ticket sales, understanding the the the, the, the projects going on in the stadium, um, and really, <laughs> it's all you know, connected. <laughs> it, it is all connected. It, it's all. And I think when you first get into coaching, it's about coaching and you're you're you have blinders on and you're so focused on this i i think it's a natural progression for me um i've been coaching uh six seven years now um and it's 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 broadened my perspective and a lot of times you know as a player i wondered why things went a certain way and now having access to to the what's going on behind the scenes you know this is why and so i think for me it's it's good to know those things so I can articulate it to the players in a way that they can digest it without, you know, um, giving up all the information. Um, and so for me, it's also important because uh, you realize as a coach that you are a steward of the club. You are. My, my goal is to move this club forward for as long as that lasts. Who knows? Um, but being a part of the project is is really important for me professionally, but but also personally because I'm I'm, I'm meeting tons of great people. Um, that all love the same game, uh, whether you're in ticket sales, you're at the you know stadium, you're you're at fields. Um, everyone loves this game and it brings us all together. So I'm just really blessed to be a, a steward of this club at this time. I love that. I love how you've coined that the steward of the club, because that is a really good way to describe it and your role within it. Um, as I mentioned, some of the players are saying that, you know, you're a player's coach and obviously because of an ex-player. But what was your approach? This is your second full season at Real Salt Lake. You had a great interim season which helped you get the the permanent job a year later you had a nice deep run in the postseason but just relating to players or is there is there a process where even as a former player you say do i get too familiar do i is there is there for lack of a better word more the like the disciplinarian type of guy what how do you balance that to for for you to be in your comfort zone with your players yeah you know i think uh the, the biggest thing for me is transparency. You know, I think, uh, and, and again, I got a good idea as to how I wanted to, to manage players and how I wanted to coach when I was a player myself. And I always looked at managers um, that kept things close to their chest and decisions that they made. Uh, for me, it's complete transparency. Um, I often time tell the players that I, I don't choose the team. The team, team chooses itself. And, and what the, the, I would say the the one thing about the way that that I manage is it's 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 a 
I spent a lot of time talking to players and away from the game, picking up the phone, going out to coffee, going out to lunch, um, sharing life stories. Um, and so everything that we do here uh, is, is about culture. And, and the soccer part is what brings us all together. But we want to continue to be great teammates. We want to continue to get better uh, as players, as coaches, as equipment managers, as trainers, um, because I really do believe in team. Um, and in today's generation, it's it's hard because of the snippets of all these all-stars doing crazy things in the stats world that's kind of taken over. But but I really believe in in, in team. And, 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 and again, I, I think everyone in the club is super critical to the success of the team. And oftentimes it's just pegged on the coach, um, which is which is the old way of doing it. I think for me, it's more about alignment from the ownership to the front office to the coach who then relays that down to the players. And if we can be aligned as a club, our chances for success, I think will increase year by year. And Real Salt Lake is a, is a, is a real interesting club. Obviously when they first came into the league, they were a bit of a punching bag as an expansion team. They got their stadium things turned. They, they won an MLS cup and you're obviously new and you had the owner, the new owner, you mentioned the new ownership, but this is always a club that I, I, I truly believe, especially in the postseason. Folks don't want to play. And I know great home field advantage if there was a home game involved, but I've seen it more reinforced recently. If you agree with that, why do you think that is the case? Why is Real Salt Lake is is a club that has been complicating things for maybe the clubs that have a bigger payroll or something along those lines? Well, you know, I think, you know, I I can speak to the last couple of years. Um, Really, I, I, I think that, Compared to a lot of teams, um, we, we go about things a little bit differently. We talk about develop, development from within. Uh, this year, and, and, and in most years, um, we had 9,000 minutes of, of, of homegrown players on the field in, in, in MLS. Uh, the next closest team was 3,000. So we spent a lot of time it, it, you know, developing our players, bringing them into the first team, and, and giving real contribution. And you know, I think... Salt Lake is is a small market team. And and so because of that, the mindset naturally is that we're going up against Giants when you play the L.A.s, when you play against Seattle, when you play against Portland, when there's there's some really big teams in in our conference. Um, And and so I think going through the season, knowing that we have to show up every single game, we can't take one game off. I think that type of mindset mentality really prepares us for the postseason when there's chips on the table. Development is, I think, uh, universally one of the more exciting topics American soccer fans uh, have addressed. We've seen it more with more clubs. You've mentioned the minutes that Real Salt Lake has developed young players, essentially to put them in the first team, and we've seen them practice that time and time again. But Philadelphia and the New York clubs, I think, have done really well with that. Other clubs are making some breakthroughs. We saw Chicago Fire with uh, Gaga Slonina. Uh, and people all want to know who the next big player is. And Real Salt Lake have had their hands on a few. I was, I mean, it was some time ago, but, you know, watching Taylor Booth play this weekend, he started there. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it's it's interesting because when you think of player development, you, you immediately think, okay, there's going to be good players in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. There's going to be in L.A., Texas. But, you know, Utah and parts of Arizona, and I mean, even that whole corridor where, however, it's gerrymandered is, is developed a lot of players. Um, what don't we know about that part of America where they're playing soccer? And, and if you, I hate to double barrel a question, but the second part is what have you seen that works 
to get a reaction out of the young players so that they could make uh, that next step? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think for me, uh, one of the advantages that I think that we have is I believe that we have one of the nicest uh, facilities in America. You know, we have four first team grass pitches. We have uh, an outdoor uh, synthetic turf field stadium where the Monarchs play. And then we have a an indoor facility that we've been using for preseason that has, you know, almost one and three quarters full length pitches inside. So when it's snowing, there's never a time where we can't train. And I think for the younger player, um, the amount of time you spend on the field is critical. And if you're always worried about the weather or you're canceling trainings because of this, that, we don't have those problems. So I think that that's number one. I, I would say two, uh, the culture here, the players at the academy level have, you know, first team players like Justin Glad and Andrew Brody, um, Eric Holt, Aaron Herrera, who just, who just left the group. Guys that started in the academy, and work their way up. And I think that's a really important thing if you want to be a developmental club is to see what your future might look like and beyond, right? And so I think the next phase of, of, of what we're trying to do is move players on to Europe and be able to really prepare these young guys. And I would say, you know, I went out to training this morning. I, I got out and, and, and watched the, uh, the U15s train. And it's amazing to me how technical these players are, how they're thinking the game. I think the, the the next level really is the mindset piece. And, and obviously a lot of mentality comes from hardship. And, and it's really difficult in this day and age, because I'm a parent myself, is to allow the younger players to struggle a little bit. Um, I think too often we want to help facilitate in a way that they don't feel pain. But mentality comes from feeling pain, having the psychological immunity to overcome and there you get the mentality. So those are some things that we've talked about internally as a club is the mentality of the player going from the academy to the Monarchs. And then what the player from the Monarchs needs to go from that team to the first team. So uh, like I've said, we spent a lot of time in the offseason really going through the processes that that uh, every age group will encounter and how we can best facilitate that with the environment that we create. I love it. It's, you got to let them suffer. They got, it's, uh, it's not an easy job. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I, everything in life comes. Every everything good in life comes from landing on landing on your butt a couple times, and then going. I don't like the way that feels. I'm going to change the way I think about it and and, and overcome. And and it's you, crazy. that was you did that a fair bit in your playing days, yeah. no doubt about. It. You yeah. had to fight for I mean, everything you got. I mean, I, I got scars up and down my my backside from all the times I've fallen. And 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 then again, you need good people. You need a good culture. You need good coaches. That, that give you the belief in yourself that you can carry on. And, and I think without that, you don't have the, the Brandon Aronsons. You don't have, you know, you don't have these players, Pepe. Uh, and all, every, every one of these players will have these stories of hardship um, that, 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 that have been sold and, and, and are now playing in Europe. Because without it, I, I think you're just a good technical player, but you don't have the, the, the it factor to, to carry on. That was always kind of a part of the the makeup of the U.S. players. They 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 won't quit, and you know some of it's pretty cliche. And uh, but now the arrival of the technical abilities, and you see that, and you go, does that replace the American never give up kind of attitude? And you know, I always say maybe we can have both, which would be perfect. Uh, and you see that in some of these guys. Other guys that you listed were perfect examples. Ricardo Pepe. I mean, he's in diapers. He's a teenager, and he's he's already challenged himself in in a couple European leagues and Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, these guys go from MLS to, to the European leagues and they don't let people 
push them around. So, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe some people feel that that isn't being instilled in the players, but by and large, what you've experienced it, it would appear that that is still a, an important trait American players share. I mean, and I saw it in the world cup too. They didn't get, they, yeah. they didn't allow people to push them around. I was just going to say that, you know, I think we had uh, one of the youngest teams in the world cup and you're up against a, an experienced Dutch team. Um, and you never saw the guys quit. You never saw and, and, and these guys, I mean, I'm watching these guys play their technical ability, their tactical understanding, their spacing um, is, is next level. And, and like you said, if you compare that with uh, a Tyler Adams four years from now, if you compare that with a Musa four years from now, you're looking at a team that, that is going to be, for me, compete for, for, for a World Cup. Is that pretty new when you see that? I mean, I, I, we can't count anything before they, they happen but we know they're going to get wiser and and better and there's going to be more players join this group but is it the excitement level where you thought it would be or is it has it long past that perhaps with uh, how we've seen these guys keeping in mind that we missed the world cup in 2018 yeah no i, I think i think we're trending in in the right direction you know i think when we started in in, in major league soccer the whole development process and academy teams um, I think it's typical for people to expect immediate returns. Like all of us, we, we do something and we're like, and I'm not playing. It's like, no, you got to keep doing that over time. And so after whatever it's been 12, 15 years, um, of investing in these players, I think we're just now barely scratching the surface with, with, you know, for, for all the labor and all the these guys are coming in and they're, they're, they're a different generation. They're an exciting generation. They're brave. They got a little bit of everything. So I think we can continue to expect um, these type of players coming through the national team. And so that's why my expectation is that I believe in the next decade or two, the U S will be uh, one of the powerhouses in world soccer. Wait a minute. That's pretty strong there, Pablo. I one of the power, powerhouses. Uh, well, listen, I think we have one, What's that, one, like 10 teams, 10, 12 teams, which we're not too far away from as is. Right. right. And, and I'm just like a perennial, like when we talk about Brazil, we talk about Argentina. I, I think you can throw the U.S. in there. And, and the reason why I say that is we have the most resources in the world for development. Like there is not a stadium. There is not a technology. There is not a coach. There's we have all this stuff. You know, a lot of people talk about, well, like our baseball players, our basketball players are always playing different sports, but the amount of young kids playing soccer with now, I think the belief, and I think a lot of it too comes from Max, uh, our own uh, lack of belief in ourselves. And, and we hear it and it's coming from all these other countries and we actually believe it. I think we're starting to believe what we see with our eyes, which is a generation of players that are continuously getting better technically, tactically. They're playing in the best leagues in the world. And and uh, they're coming together to, to, to form a great team. So I might be a little over the top, um, but I guess that's just my enthusiasm of where I saw the, where I was when I played with the national team and what I watch on TV today. Well, I was just putting you on the spot because I share your enthusiasm because it's it's kind of hard to resist because everything you see about the the U.S. game, the players, the development, our domestic league. There's a pathway for these players. They know that, okay, I can keep playing soccer and I can make a good career out of this because there's like a bunch of examples that have preceded me and it, it's a growing list. And, you know, I look at a lot of the countries and there's very few that feel like they have that trajectory going straight up. There's some bumps in the road, but the U.S., I don't see them dipping. I see, uh, 
that that gradual movement going forward. And I mean, it feels like almost like we haven't even scratched the surface because it's all happening quick. Everything's still in its in, in an embryonic stage almost in this in this country. I mean, I always have to remind myself there was 40 years where we didn't even make a World Cup, you know, was, and now right. it's it's all part of our identity. Right. No, I, I agree. I, I think uh, uh, 2018 was really a, a call to arms as, as, a, as a soccer nation. Um, I think we stepped up in, in, in 2022. And now with this momentum, I think hosting a World Cup couldn't come at a better time, you know, and so you get that same group with four years of experience. Plus, as you rightly pointed out, there's going to be a number of guys that we don't even know yet that might that might be 18 right now or 16 17 are just coming through um who are going to hit the stage and, and and really make a difference as well so um i couldn't think of a more exciting time to be a, a u.s soccer fan for sure hearing from a guy who has, has seen it all and certainly putting it on there and, and in an organic nature you know a lot of i think a lot of us feel that but we don't say it but maybe it's worth it's worth saying it sometimes uh, I'd love to get your thoughts because I mentioned Tyler Adams or some players who play in those midfielders, kind of your contemporaries or your the guys that kind of are in the same shoes as you in that more of a, you know, you would be you're a defensive midfielder, but also box to box guy. You, you're pretty all around midfielder, but guys that played your position like Adams and others. You mentioned Eunice Musa, but, you know, Kellen Acosta, maybe some young guys that are coming through that. Um, how do you how do you see that position, the position that you played? How do you see that position developing on the U.S. Yeah. side? I think the, the 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 modern defensive midfielder has uh, has the the same type of attributes where um, you enjoy defending and defending is 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 it's almost like a privilege to be a part of that. Like, but their ability, their awareness, their technical attributes on the ball um, have gone from zero to ten. Um, and so not only are they asked to do all these things, but like, a lot like Makaleli, I think, you know, Makaleli was a guy that um, that would win the ball and, and distribute. And he was just he was a wall in front of the defense. I think the, like the modern defensive midfielder is is has those attributes, but now is being asked to have a better range of passing, you know, a pass that breaks the line. It's no longer just get it to, to you know, Valderrama because you got the ball. It's you're you're a conductor as well. Um, so it's almost you know, it's the, the ask is greater, um, but the mentality hasn't changed in that you still need guys that are willing to defend with passion. Um, and I think those players like Kellen Acosta, like Ty, um, these guys enjoy it. You can see it when they're chasing somebody down. But then when they get the ball, you see the new generation, you see the modern uh, defensive midfielder, which is like, OK. And then and at times even break forward and and join in the attack, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see. I mean, what a weapon, too. Uh, and it's just it's just another part of the development if you want to play that. But it puts a lot on these guys' shoulders. But uh, so far, we've seen uh, really nice returns. By the way, if you were with playing with Valderrama and you won a ball and you put the ball over his head and skipped him, what kind of look would he give you? I'm telling you, you would feel the burn of his stare through your soul. There would be, as, as a matter of fact, there's there, I got one story with Valderrama, and it was a classic. I was a rookie. We were in Miami, and I was playing kind of like a – uh box to box and he was the 10 and um someone gave him the ball and I was a college guy and I just thought run forward and he stopped and he passed the ball somewhere else and he stopped and he stared at me and he wouldn't stop staring at me and as I got closer he said he said what are you doing why are you running from the cops and I was like I I, I didn't get what he was saying and what he's saying <laughs> is, I want you to come here so we can tiki taka 
and you're running from the cops. So you're, you're, you're like, you stole something. He says, no, we, you got to, you got to find the space and then knock it back to me and you just give it back to me. And then we'll move the defense, you know, and he had to explain it to me. And years later, when I finally understood the game at, at a better level, I saw college kids doing the same thing. And I was thinking to myself, did oh, you use a line? I told him a story. I didn't use it on him. I was never good enough to tell him this. I was never to use that line, but I told him the story so that they understood what I meant. Oh, that's a great, I'm, I'm glad I brought that up. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's, an, it's incredible how they, how you can have that communication and kind of get the idea. But uh, I mean, I was gonna say, you, you mentioned coming out of college, you was that you, you were at NC state. Was it three, four years? So you were, yeah, I was. You got yeah. a late start on all of this, and you still. Yeah, I was. A, I was a late bloomer for sure. I, I, you know, I, I didn't really grasp the the team concepts, the tactics, uh, probably till I was 23, 24, 25, Even even my first World Cup, uh, my attributes were obviously I was I was, uh, you know, I was scrappy. I would stick my head into anything. I'd break up plays. Physically, I was okay. Uh, technically, I was good. Um, but the understanding and the amount of running I had to do because I wasn't thinking. And so I, I tell our players all the time in football, you can either run or you can think, um, but you cannot do neither. Like you got to do one or the other. If, so if you're not thinking better get running. Yeah. You, you got to run because you're at a position and, and something's happened beyond be, besides you. So ideally you have, you have both of those. You, you're, you're, you're a physical you're, you're physically capable, but you're also thinking your way through the game. And, and so th those are, I think, those are things that the thinking part usually comes a little bit later. Although now, I'm, like I said, I was at training this morning, the academy training, and these guys are doing things and they're, they're scanning, they're scanning, they're scanning. I didn't know scanning until I was in, you know, my mid-20s and I saw Frank Lampard do it. Uh, you know, I think you were hosting a show when you were covering the Premier League and uh, I'm watching this guy scanning. I'm like, oh, so now it's, Again, when I talk about the resources globally in the U.S., I mean, these guys have every opportunity to be wonderful players. All right. Well, I'm taking all the credit on your development then, Pablo. I think it's... <laughs> Thanks, <to> man. <laughs> You're welcome. So, but you know, I'm a big fan of the late bloomers, and I see more and more popping up. I mean, you know, Clint Dempsey was a, a late bloomer, and he kind of just really hid his groove. And even today, I mean, Daryl DK's 21, but he went to college, he went to MLS, and now he he's off and running with regards to uh playing in England maybe being in the Premier League next season but there's those there's guys there what what would you ad advise be for the late bloomer because everyone's looking for a 14 15 year old kid that has it I remember I talked to Tab Ramos how quickly can you see a 15 or 14 year old kid and say he's got it he goes immediately you know it and then you invest a lot on him and it works out sometimes maybe not all the time but I guess if you're in this sport you got to look at guys from every angle including the guys who maybe a uh, Tejon Buchanan who's tearing up for, for Canada and in Belgium. And he was, I mean, he was like a two, three year guy at Syracuse. So what's some advice for a late bloomer that may say, okay, I'm 22, 23. It hasn't really worked for me yet, but what am I, what do I need to, to focus on? I would say um, one is an exorbitant amount of belief in the self, right? Because again, everyone's going to tell you you're too old, or if you don't have it now, you'll never have it. We had a we had a, a young man uh, Jasper Lofelson who we drafted from uh, Pitt last year, um, and I think it was in the fourth round. And he's 24 years old, right? So by soccer terms, you're that's a late bloomer. Uh, he came into camp, and the idea was uh, to keep him at the Monarchs for a year to see how he progressed, and then with the possibility of coming into the first team. And he asked me the same question. He well, he said, you know, do I have a chance with the first team? And we were already 
we, we were already four or five deep. And I said, listen, there's not going to be an opportunity. And he says, well, because if I'm not going to be with the first team, I'm going to go home and be an accountant in Germany because I got a great job and I can make great money. And so I said, well, the most important thing is like for, for, for any young player or any player that's might be past what people think is the best development years is you have to stay on the path because the universe, I mean, it, all there's so many variables that go into development that, that are unbeknownst to man. And, and, and his example was crazy because I said, if you stay on the path, Jasper, good things will happen to you. And whatever path you're on, if it's the soccer path, good things will happen. If you just believe in yourself and you believe in your abilities and you stay on the path. So Jasper uh, was 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 signed with the Monarchs last year. Everton Luis, who was here, had visa problems. So now we're going into the first game of the season and Everton's paperwork isn't finalized. And we don't have a midfielder. We had, uh, we had, we had a couple guys that were injured. And so we had to give Jasper uh, a first team deal he goes in and starts to kill it and he's doing some great things and he's doing it. And now he signed a first team deal and, uh, and, and now he's essentially made it, but if he wasn't on the path, then he'd never have that opportunity. And I think too often it's not coaches that quit on players. It's the players that quit on themselves because every coach has an opinion. The belief has to come from the young man. Oh, that's tough, man. I mean, I can imagine hearing stuff from coaches where you said, you're not ready, and then it's easy to duck out. So it's got to take some serious wherewithal from the players. I know what you mean when you say it, but it's like it's got to be tough. And those guys to not only stay on the path, but when like you tell them go, you bet you're you're playing, and they right. they hit the ground running. That's hard, man. I, I tell you, my hat goes off to all those guys out there for staying on that uh, that exact path, including yourself. So uh, it's good that you two found each other and uh we we pull for the late bloomers man because i know they're gonna there's gonna be more and more where you're gonna go oh my god this is one of our best players and he played four right. years of college and he wasn't on the radar until he was 24 25 but it's gonna yeah. happen yep yep those they're, they're special people and i think what you realize with these people is how mentally strong they are because of how many times they've been rejected and how many times yeah. they've been it ain't gonna happen and it goes back to what we talked about the most important thing for me, as far as development is concerned, is having this psychological strength, this immunity that has come from all these hardships that they've endured along the way. Hey, I, earlier in my, my podcast, I talked about the uh, January camp, and it's an opportunity. Obviously, a lot doesn't happen there. Um, but you played in some January camps, and I believe I read in 01, that was kind of part of your path to nailing in that position where Chris Armis was injured, and you were able to kind of use all those extra games to use that camp to your benefit. So as I, as we're approaching a January camp from a guy who's participated in those, what's the approach? Again, I think it's an unbelievable opportunity um, to play alongside some of the best players within the league. Um, but more importantly, to show what you're capable of. Um, it's a great platform because at times it's really hard for these uh, fringe players uh, of, the, of the national team to get a really good look when they're playing with their club teams. You don't know how it translates tactically. You don't know how it looks like as far as partnerships, um, but it is a, a fantastic opportunity to understand what the culture of the national team's like, what the level's like, the speed of play is dramatically faster because everyone there is defending at hundred miles an hour and attacking at hundred miles an hour. Um, and so you get a real good taste of what it takes um, and, and I, I, for me, it's the, it's the best way to integrate yourself in with that caliber of player. And so, 
Um, going into, you know, my, my, my advice to any uh, young player going into camp is it's one opportunity where your first impression is the most important. I know some people have tried to diminish it, but you never know, man. Something uh, good we've seen through the years, good things happen in those January camps. So seize that opportunity. And I think coming off the World Cup, there's still that enthusiasm with the national team where we're in that shirt. Carries absolutely a little extra right. weight. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That the 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 mood of that camp is going to be buzzing just because of the the, the leftover emotional effect of the World Cup. And um, it, these these next couple of games will be exciting to watch for sure. Pablo Pablo Mastroeni, you're an incredible resource man. You're just a great dude as well. And I and I this has been a great conversation. Before I go, because I asked you about the U.S. team, and obviously we're all tuning in to see them perform well in the World Cup, and they had a nice run. But you Argentine background. To see uh, Lionel, are, are you are you just red, white, and blue to the core? Where you didn't even pay attention to Messi, or you had to have been pretty moved by that as well? No, no. I think it was it was really strange because '86 World Cup was my first World Cup. That was the one where I sat in the living room in my parents' house in Arizona, and there was like 20 family members, and I was like, "Why is everyone coming over for this this game?" And my dad says, "It's Argentina," and he and it was like the moment where I felt like my first. It was. I want to be a professional soccer player. Like that was the first moment. And so I actually flew back to Arizona to, to watch the finals with my mom, my dad, and my brother, um, and, and, and the rest of our immediate family. And, uh, the beautiful thing was watching, uh, being on FaceTime with our family back in Argentina and That's sharing great. in those moments, the game together. Um, it, and then obviously the story of Messi, who's, who's done so much for the growth of this game. Um, and to see him finally win it, uh, you don't have to be an Argentina fan to really enjoy that moment. And for us, it was extra special watching the family head out to the downtown to go celebrate on FaceTime. It was, it was an amazing moment. That is, a, that is a great answer too. And uh, it's great to see your, your cycle from 86 with Maradona and Maradona and Messi are always connected. And 86 was my first world cup too, to really, where I was like, ah, this is what I want to do. Not as a player, but somehow I want to do it. And here I am. All these years later. Hey, Pablo, okay. I, I, I know no, you're going to enjoy the MLS season, man. It's going to be a good one. Where there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, thank you so much, Max. And uh, and I, I want to thank you, too. Uh, you know, again, I, I used to I used to watch your, uh, your the Premier League stuff you used to do. I used to get home and watch it. And so, uh, like, like, I am a steward of, of this club. I think you're a steward of the game. And uh, they're doing great work in L.A. And so, uh, happy to join you anytime, my man. Oh, that's great to hear. We're here. We're here to, to 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 make it better for the next generation and build a platform so that they can make millions of dollars being broadcasters and coaches, and they can uh, they can come to our gravestone and say thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I I really appreciate that. And when I hear that, it makes it all worthwhile. So that's fantastic. And you certainly puff your chest out as well, man. You've done a lot for this board, and uh, everyone's very very grateful for it. Thanks, Max. Appreciate we ended it. with a real love fest. I probably have to. There you go. <laughs> Pablo Mastretti joining me here. Check him out with Real Salt Lake this season. We'll continue here on the Soccer OG with more on the U.S. national team. Time now for stoppage time. We'll keep it brief as we, uh, this is going to be a little dated because I'm talking about this the day before the announcement of the roster, which doesn't really matter because we pretty much know what it's going to look like. It's going to be, look, the January camp post-MLS was built there so that domestic players can get some 
run with the U.S. men's national team outside of a FIFA window. It's to serve those domestic players. Some non-MLS players or USL players would get called in from time to time. It's usually a game or it's usually two games as it is this time around. Both games will be in L.A. By the way, if you're in the Los Angeles area, go out and catch a game. Get a ticket. Uh, It's on the 25th uh, at uh, the home of LAFC uh, in downtown LA. And then on the 28th, the home of the Galaxy. First game will be against Serbia. Second game against Colombia. I will be there at Bank of California for the game on the 25th. And uh, come and say hello. But it's going to be fun. And it's going to be intense. And I've always, you know, I've called a ton of these games. And they are intense. And you will see that. You know, a lot of people saying, why are we doing this? You know, maybe these players should stay with their their squads. And I know a lot of these MLS players are, re- MLS teams are reluctant to let these players go. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, they're, hey, we just had a World Cup. What are we doing this for? I understand. And it has a lot more of a punch when it's ahead of the World Cup. So... The January camp of last year, of 2022, would have a little bit more of a punch. The January camp of 2014, when the World Cup was in the summer, would have a lot more of a punch. Pablo Mastroeni, as I talked to him, he, Chris Armas, got injured. And in those January camps of 2000, geez, what year is that? 2002, he got his reps so that he could be the defensive midfielder, the number six for the U.S. team in Korea, and part of that team that made the quarterfinals of a World Cup. That was important. You heard it from him. I know there's a lot to be down about U.S. soccer. And, but that's another reason we want the games. Let's play games. I want to talk about Greg Berhalter and Claudio Reyna and Daniel Reyna. We don't want to talk about Gio Reyna and his disappointment. We don't want to talk about Christian Pulisic's injury. We don't want to talk about some players... Uh, Sagging a little bit. We can't talk about the Bundesliga players because they haven't played yet. There's really not much to celebrate about U.S. soccer. We have an interim coach, Anthony Hudson. Statistically, the worst MLS coach of all time. He is in charge. He's not going to be the, t- the permanent coach, I can tell you that. Right? Maybe. How about Alexi Lala stirring the pot? I love it. He said he would love to see Greg Berhalter back. And everyone just blew a gasket. No one does it better than Alexi to stir the pot. Let's play some games. Something good will come of it. We know, you know, Hercules Gomez was reporting and Tom Bogert initially mentioned Brandon Vasquez, who I got to chat up there at MLS Media Days. Uh, Just a wonderful guy. Uh, He's got a great head on his shoulders and he passes the eyeball test when he's next to you. He's big, he's strong, he's athletic. You know, when that one thing, remember we all went crazy on Aaron Long in the MLS Cup playoffs because Vasquez torched him? I've seen Aaron Long train. He's here at LFC. I've seen Aaron Long train. He's not slow. Brandon Vasquez, in addition to be statuesque and strong, is fast. He's a proper athlete. We're going to see him. Hercules Gomez talking about Alejandro Zendejas, who's there at Club America and becoming a real big. These are both dual nationals, so it's important that they get a sniff with the U.S. They can't be cap-tied, but... You give them a reason, that alone is a good reason for the January camp. That Alejandro Zendaya and Brandon Vasquez can be with the U.S. team in two state-of-the-art stadiums in Los Angeles when no one else is playing, other than Serbia and Colombia, and get a taste of it all. Those two players alone make this worthwhile, in my estimation. And everyone is, I mean, if you're complaining about it, 
I'm saying it shouldn't be that. You know you're going to be there and watch all 180 minutes like I will. It's the U.S. man. It's the red, white, and blue. It's U.S. soccer. We just had the World Cup. We, we didn't get a full fix, right? We wanted more games. So let's take advantage of this January camp and enjoy it. It's going to be all MLS players, and after, as you're hearing this, you'll know the roster. But they, you know, I don't want to speculate too much. But there will be guys there on that fringe, and this is a chance where you're not bothered by the A-listers, where you can show what you got. And the intel will be shared by Anthony Hudson to others within U.S. Soccer. They'll have the eyeballs of all the higher ups of Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride and. Greg Berhalter, if he remains. So, enjoy these games. I mean, they're not going to be well attended, probably, and they're going to... It's it's going to be a far cry from what we saw in Qatar. But I can tell you... I mean, I called this a hat-trick by Sasha Kleschen. I called it when I was at Fox, one of these games, at so-called Camp Cupcake. Yeah, I love cupcakes. Actually, I don't love cupcakes. I like donuts. I'm trying to stay away from sweets altogether. I dropped uh, 13 pounds and I put like eight back on over the holidays. So there it is. I feel very bloated. Um, but remember there's that February Gold Cup? The U.S. beat Sweden in 1998. Ew. There was a victory over Brazil in there. I mean, the coaches must really enjoy it. Now we have a weird situation with our coach this time around. But this is an enjoyable practice. And I always go back to 2002. And look, remember, it's three and a half years. It's less than three and a half years till the next World Cup. Why not have something that gives you an edge that other countries can't have? I will predict there will be three players on this January camp that will make the 2026 World Cup roster. There will be some kids in there. Can't tell you who. Some of the kids will get a run. And one thing we have a lot of is the talented young players, uh, on MLS squads with MLS academies that might get that lift, at least to come in and train, maybe not to play too much. Guys like you know Paxton Palmicall or Eric Williamson, will they get in there and show what they have because they've been interrupted by injuries or something along the lines? You look closer. This is not a wasted practice. And it's just a nice escape for a, an, a federation that needs a little bit of an escape. So get out to the games if you can. Support the U.S., watch it all, make a video. I will make a full video. Go to the Soccer OG under my name, Max Bretos, on YouTube. We'll break down the roster and we'll preview the games. And we'll get after it. Because guess what? It's ours. It's all ours. And welcome to Serbia and Colombia for spending some time in Los Angeles. You're very welcome. The Soccer OG podcast, available where all podcasts are available. Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Saludos. Willkommen to our international audience. Thanks for checking us out. We'll be back again next week. The podcast will be coming in thick and fast. And until I see you again, Palacio Domingo. Domingo.